Hey, bowlers, bowling this month is back. Bowling this month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at bowlingthismonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining us today on the Above180.com podcast is Dr. Dean Hiddens. Dr. Dean has been practicing sports psychology for over 30 years. He works with the U.S. bowling team down at the training center in Arlington, Texas. He's also worked with some colleges such as Wichita State and University of Maryland Eastern Shore and Robert Morris, just to name a few. You can also check him out at bowlingthismonth.com. Lots of Dr. Dean's pieces are in there. Dr. Dean, Tim Berg here. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me back. It's good to... Good to talk to you again. All right, Dean. Well, yeah, I have to be honest. About a month ago when I uh, got a package in the mail, and it was your latest book, Bowling Psychology, A Guide to Mental Mastery on the Lanes, I had to have you on and talk about the book. And I thought, you know what? Summer's kind of a great time when people are going through and, and maybe thinking about their game, maybe going through and trying to set some more goals for their game. So I thought, why not let's do a quick two-part interview over the summer. So we're going to talk to you now. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to do a second show next week where we'll come up and wrap up. Because I certainly, you know, the book is uh, right over 200-some pages. I don't want to give away the entire book. We want to tease people to where they're going to go out and get the book. But there are some very key points that I think we can help people as a, like I said, get to their game during the summer and are trying to improve for their fall leagues, whether that be more tournament play or even just their leagues as things get cranking again. Yeah, terrific. I'd love to go over and through that with you. Yeah, well, let's begin. I guess let's start right at the the front of the book. You have a a very interesting forward from Jason Belmonte, and then you also talk about, uh, you go into the mind of Jason Belmonte. So let's talk about that and I guess my first initial question is, was, uh, how did you approach Jason, and was, was he as forthcoming as I guess you thought he would be? Because a lot of, you know, I've talked to Jason a handful of times. I've you know, seen him do other interviews and be on with other shows. But, you know, when you were trying to talk to him, did you really think, did you get out of Jason, I guess, what you were hoping for, and how did that all come about? You know, Jason was really generous. And, 
even more than I could have expected because my my hope has been or was for people to identify with parts of his journey. You know, a lot of time you look at somebody who is, you know, he's, you know, many would say he's the, at the top of his game, certainly top of top of the world right now. Just won his third SP. He's, he's, he's doing. He's out there, and sometimes people don't bridge the the gap of you know. There's this guy, and he's sort of you know Godzilla right now when he when he heads these into these majors and some of these other competitions. And my hope was to. Uh, connect with him in such a way that people could connect with what it takes to go on a, a champion's journey, and uh, and and for readers to know whether or not you end up with an SB. For most of us, not. That uh, some of the steps, some of the path, some of the ways of thinking are absolutely available to your <laughs> your 180 average bowler, uh, more or less. Yeah, so let's talk about that because he he kind of goes through how how he became what he is today from when he was very young and how he started bowling with his approach to where he went and bowled the European tournaments, ultimately to coming here stateside and bowling and winning his first PBA event. And I guess the thing that you know that really struck me was just he's <laughs> I shouldn't say it's always like he he always wants to win. That sounds funny, but Jason Belmonte doesn't go into a tournament thinking. You know what? The, this is this pattern. This is a pattern that you know I'm not the greatest on. I'll just be happy with the top five. If I make the show, I'll be happy. It speaks immediately to one of the fallacies that people have about championship play, and that is when I win, I'll become a champion. When I finally get a title, when I finally it doesn't even matter what what level you are. It could be a handicap league. It could be a PBA regional, or it could be you know out there in the big tour, and People have the idea, when I do this, I will be something. And it's backwards. It's, as Jason really highlights, and I, I, I really appreciate what he talks about in his board and in the section on the mind of a champion, it's when you are something. If it's your day, you get to have the result. You get to have your, your prize, your result. Jason's thought about himself, and this isn't from an ego point of view. It's from a, he sees himself like, I I am that. I am a champion. I, I am somebody who, if it's his day, I get to, I get to take the, the cheese. It's part of his self-concept, so he's not sort of shocked or surprised when a victory or a title comes his way. And where, where he'll be playing people who are, every time you're trying to prove something, you're taking some of your energy, sort of looking around in your mind's eye and saying, I'm going to prove to somebody. And whether you're proving to the audience or whether you're proving to a coach or proving to other players, that's, that's mental and emotional energy that's not sort of free to just go into your bowling and just play. And so while he is just playing, oftentimes his opponents are playing him. I don't think he's playing them. Yeah, one of the things you also discuss in that is, is a champion, and I think it was Carolyn Dorn Ballard was the person who you used as the example. They're worried about their own game. They focus all their mental energy and all their, their thoughts are on their game. They're not watching what their opponent does, whether it be, you know, maybe carry a light mixer or, or get lucky on a shot. For them, it's staying focused on what their goal is at hand and repeating and executing shots and keeping everything the same. Yeah, Carolyn, maybe more than anybody... Actually, she and I got to work in a clinic together last week and, and talk some more. Uh, a few people know, back uh, 
back a few years ago, Kegel uh, Training Center down in Florida did some testing with the pros on a tour, men and women. And uh, here's a trivia question most can answer. Who is the most accurate player ever to go through their testing and training center? And the answer was her. Uh, I think she threw like 30 shots in a row that were in the same, you know, she hit the same mark at the same speed like 30 times in a row. I don't even know if anybody was close. But Carolyn is the ultimate for staying in her own space. And uh, I know she won't mind us sharing this because she shared it for the book. Um, She keeps her focus really close to home to the point where, you know, she'll look at the floor, she might look at the ball return, she'll shift to where her mark is. And uh, as she as she said, she said, there's not really anything for me out there. Like, you know, what's out there? Drama and distraction. So she, she keeps her point of focus really close to home. And uh, I love what she said. Uh, she said, you know, I roll the ball well enough now. She's practiced so much, and her game is so sweet. She said... I just look at my mark. I know if I hit my mark, a good thing is going to happen. And so whether it's a strike or a spare, they say she, she lives very close to home. She keeps her mind very close to the ball, checks her mark out, and just trusts her game. If I hit the mark, it turns out. And, and in fact, again, she made the show uh, just a week or two ago up there on tour. Well, and that's where, in that same chapter where we're ta- you talk to uh, Carolyn, you talk about an pr- uh, effective pre-shot routine, which is something that you see always when you're watching pros, and even the, the best amateurs in the world are the same way. It's They get up there and they do it the same, whether it's the first ball of, of a tournament and an eight-game block, or whether it's the final game, you know, final shot to win the, win the tournament in the 10th frame. Every shot of theirs is the same. And talk about why that is so key. You know, it's... Uh The one thing that you can pack with you wherever you go is that pre-shot routine. And no matter what the environment, how, and it's different every time TV lights or even the lights will be in different places, different crowds, different centers, different stakes, different titles at stake. Um, The one thing you have with that pre-shot routine is something that gives your brain, your your conscious, subconscious, pre-conscious, and conscious mind that sense of familiarity. It's like, I'm home. Like, no matter what, you've got whatever your sequence of events is, where you pick up the ball, maybe wipe it off, get set a little bit, put your hand over the the dryer, whatever your order of events are, the message to the unconscious mind is, I'm home. Like, this is familiar. I'm on automatic. Um, You know, unlike a lot of sports psychology, I'm I'm not actually a huge fan of self-talk. A little bit of keywords, okay, but... When you have to talk to yourself, as Coach Rod Ruff says of PMUSA, talking is so slow, <laughs> and we need to operate at a much quicker speed than that. That when we trust the familiarity of a situation where, you know, I'm home, this is familiar, and my trust and my skill can just come forth. Um, it's orienting, no matter how disorienting the external environment could possibly be. Well, and I have to go back. I, I was watching, and this was a Cameron Doyle, and gosh, this has to have been, this was his first event up in North Brunswick, uh, New Jersey, when he was bowling the U.S. Open. Very challenging, and was there's a lot of buzz and a lot of hype around him. There was media people like myself kind of there, and New York Times, is want, and everyone wanted to talk to him. And the one thing I saw him do, and I, I've obviously I've never forgot about it, is in, he, was, he went from where he was standing in the back area, he went down to the settee area, 
number one, because he knew that bowlers couldn't, you know, we, the media type couldn't go down there. But that also put him, like you said, put him home, put him where he's used to bowling. And now it's just about him and the lanes. Yep. Uh, uh, Cameron, he was just such a, a great person. I'm glad you mentioned him. He knows I've got to go to ground and center before I execute. And uh, I don't think you'll ever see him not go through his sequence before he delivers the ball. And he's, he's a really reliable player. There's no doubt about it. Well, so you also talk about what are the wrong questions. You talk about self-talk and everything. But, you know, there's so many of these wrong questions. And, and I think, honestly, as a bowler, I'd be lying to myself if you didn't at least ask yourself these one of the times. You know, what if I choke? What if I miss a spare? You know, what if I uh, don't make the cut? What if I don't, you know, don't carry? What if I grab one? How can bowlers, how can we get out of that mindset to make those comments to ourselves? Either, you know, almost sometimes saying them physically, you know, um, saying them verbally, joking with your teammates, or even just sometimes thinking them, which is, you know, another way where we're putting that thought in our head. We we are, and particularly with questions, and, you know, in that section of the book, we talk about it. your mind cannot help but orient to questions. It's like, for those listening, if, if I just say, well, what's your mother's maiden name? And if you ask the question, bam, like the answer goes right there. If I say, can you remember the name of your first pet? And the mind wants to seize on the problem right away. It can't help but answer questions. And so what happens in a worst-case scenario, there's a bowler goes, okay, I left a five-pin. Who could miss one of those, you know? And the, the unconscious mind goes, well, well, I'll show you. <laughs> it's like, you, you orient to the question, like, oh, what's the, co- the cut line? Or what, what would it be like if I missed that cut line? Or what if I pulled this ball left? Or what if, you know, when we go there, as you said, we orient our mind to the problem. And we start to answer the question, and it creates pressure. Who could miss an easy spare like this? And then the answer, of course, from the inside, since you're asking, is, God, I guess that's what I'm asking. Or what if I grab it? And all the subconscious mind hears is the word grab it, you know? Um, and so we want to ask, given that, you can direct your mind really easily to ask some easy, oriented questions. You know, one that's very simple one is just to say, hey, am I here? Am I present? And if you're thinking about scores or who's watching or what you need, you'll know right away, I'm not even present. Like, I'm not even here. And I've heard so many tour players talk to me about, I missed because I wasn't present. Like, I was thinking about why I left the pin or how not to leave it next time or whatever it is. But question number one is just, am I present? And if you are, you almost chuckle to yourself, like, yeah, I'm here. Because in the moment, if you're really in the moment, it just feels good. The second question is so basic, it's laughable. And it, the answer is, you, you, you ask, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? And there's only a few answers to that one, too. It's like, well, I'm, I'm playing third arrow, or I'm playing this part of the lane, or, you know, I'm going to put this kind of tilt or roll on the ball. Um, I'm going to keep my elbow in, whatever it is. could be a body thing, or it could just be a, kind of a heart thought, like, I, I'm just going to play, you know, heart wide open. I'm going for it so you know what am i doing can be i'm playing this part of the lane it could be something you're doing with your body or it could just be some spiritual thing like i'm free i'm just going to play free Uh, and that's it am i here what am i doing 
So I, I kind of have a, a somewhat hypothetical, but it's also a, a, something that a lot of tournament players run into these sort of situations, so I want to get you on these same lines. You know, let's just say hypothetically that you're in a eight game, you're bowling an eight game block, you're after game seven, and let's say you're 20 pins out of the cut. And you've, you kind of can calculate how much the cut's been going up, and you, you really need a good number here. You need to shoot, say, 240, 250, something. You know, you need to, you need to strike to, to make sure you're going to show yourself making that top 24. Now, your, your mindset has to be in there. You know, you almost, it's one shot at a time, obviously. But is that when, is it okay to know, to know that you need to do that? Or is it just even, you know what, I'm going to throw my game and let the chips fall where they may? You know, um, this plays differently for different people. I think it's okay to know where you are. Sometimes it's important to know where you are. It does make a difference to know if you need, you know, 180 or 220 in terms of, you know, in some ways how you approach the game. Um, for some people, it's freeing. Like, okay, I, I've got to shoot. I've got to shoot 240. This is awesome. It unlocks me. There's, there's no holding. If I hold back at all, if I grab at all, if I get hard with the ball at all, if I steer at all, the back row is going to let me know. There's no way I'm going to carry enough. So, thank you. I'm free. It's sort of like uh, I've said to players when they're playing somebody amazing. If someone goes up against Walter Ray in match play. I'm like, oh, what a gift. They look at me like, are you, are you crazy? Like, this is a gift. It's Walter Ray. I'm like, yeah, it's Walter Ray. If you don't play free and open and committed, he's going to roll you like a truck. He's giving you the biggest gift in the world. He's saying you have to be as big as life can be or I'm going to, I'm going to crush you. That's a gift. If you know you have to shoot something big, uh, number-wise, it can it can unlock you. Like, there's just no holding back. Holding back won't work. Now, for some other people, maybe some people listening, it can shut them down a little bit. They can get more grabby, more controlled, more pointy. That never works, as we know. Back row grade view. Um, but knowing, uh, I guess knowing, from my point of view, you never want to have knowing the truth make it worse. And you want to become the kind of player that says, I can know where I am in the field, I can know what I need, and go. And as Jason says, one of the things he said in the book, uh, in our interview, is one of the things he prided himself in the most, is that no matter what the circumstance, even if he was mathematically eliminated, it appeared that he would always bring his best shot. And I love his statement. He says, being a champion isn't something you turn on and off. It's something you are or not. And so once you get used to thinking about yourself that way and executing that way, it sort of doesn't matter what the number is because you go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bowl greatly. And whether I need 130, 180, or 240, I'm going to play like a champion. And when you train that, like anything else that you would train, it becomes part of your way of approaching the game. It doesn't matter anymore. Well, and I've had bowlers uh, tell me the exact same thing. You try every shot, and you're going to earn the respect of your competitors, even if, you, if you're 150 under the cut. <laughs> but if you try every shot, you're going to earn their respect because you never gave up, and you threw every shot like it mattered. And so I, uh, it's great insight, and you're right. I do recall Jason saying that. Before we wrap up the first part of the interview, I want to talk about the, uh, the three Cs. You talk about consistency, control, and confidence. That seems pretty basic, right? Everyone should be those three when, when they step up there on the approach. And, you know, of, of the three, I've got confidence rated highest of high. Um, we used to train out at the Olympic Training Center with Team USA, 
and it didn't matter what sport somebody was in. They could be in gymnastics or diving or wrestling or bowling. If you ask athletes from any sport what mental game variable they most associated with success, confidence would come out number one most often. And it's true if you interview athletes anywhere that that's the case. In fact, the other the other elements of the, the game, consistency and control, sort of follow, follow with that. Um, and confidence, if you break the word down, um, it's literally from the Latin, you know, confidari, it means with faith. And people, they put faith in the wrong thing. Confidence, they think it means, I know I'm going to strike. It's like, I don't know you're going to strike. I don't know if the pin setter is going to put things in off spot. I don't know if a, a fly is going to land on your break point and change the ball's reaction. I don't know that. But true confidence is, is knowing I am going to deliver in the way that I intend to. And so when we get off of this will turn out or not, but I'm going to deliver in a way that's, that's clean and that feels like an expression of my best shot, as we practice that, our confidence grows because then you start realizing, again, some days it's my day, some days it's not. But I know I'm going to stay down at the line or I know I'm going to post or I know I'm going to push on time. You know, as we start to gain confidence in executing some of the most basic, fundamental, but pivotal parts of our approach, then we can take it and, and sort of really compete anywhere. Well, Dr. Dean, I'd be remiss here if we didn't bring up bowlingthismonth.com which is bowling's best and most complete technical resource. Your stuff is there. You can find all your articles there. Also want to direct folks, check out all the ball reviews. Lots of great new equipment coming out from all the manufacturers. Check all of that stuff out, bowlingthismonth.com. Seeing all sorts of great articles as well. So check them out. Again, bowlingthismonth.com. So, Dr. Dean, what I thought we'd do, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to let everyone catch their breath maybe go back, review some of their notes. And on the other side, I want to get back into things. And next podcast, you were going to talk about how one PBA star was able to live in the moment and not let it get the best of him at the World Series of Bowling last year in Reno. That's coming up next. You're listening to the Above180.com podcast with Tim Berg and guest Dr. Dean Hinnitz.